from the campaign trail to the studio, Wesley Hunt continues the fight. Along with his brother, Rendon, they chronicle their family experience from slavery to West Point in four generations. Tackling the difficult conversations facing our country, they're on a mission to preserve the American dream. Buckle up and welcome aboard. You're in the hunt. I'm Wesley Hunt. And I'm Rendon Hunt. And hey, you're in the hunt. Another day, another day. Another day. It's been a pretty crazy week here in, uh, here in Texas. It, it has been. And we decided this week to talk a little bit about our beloved city of Houston. Yeah. We are very proud native Houstonians. I think Wesley always knew that he was going to come back to Houston. I was not sure. Uh, but when I got back, I'm very happy to be here, and I'm never leaving again. Well, that's because you lived in California. <laughs> San Diego, to be precise. <laughs> At some point, you realize that Texas maybe is not, not so bad. No, yeah, Texas is good. Texas is a good place. Texas is a good you place. got here. You got here as fast as you could. Hey, I, I, I made it back. But no, it was actually a circuitous road for you, too. So so you get out of the Navy. You live, you live in California, and then you go to Boston. You go to Harvard, and then you go to Michigan, and then you spend a year in D.C., and then I think after all that, you realize that, hey, man, Texas is pretty cool. Texas is <laughs> a pretty awesome place. But I think that with everything that's going on, one of the things that I did not anticipate when coming back to Texas is very cold weather and cold temperatures that will freeze pipes and flood people's homes yeah. and put a lot of people in a really bad place. And this has been a very difficult week for the city of Houston but very similar to what we saw with Hurricane Harvey, in this difficult week, we really have seen people come together. Yeah. And we've seen an increased sense of community and camaraderie, and very similar to what we saw after Hurricane Harvey, I've never been prouder to be a Houstonian. Don't we always do this too? It literally is the Houston ethos, you know, when things are bad and the chips are down, yeah, you're gonna have you're gonna see a lot of inflammatory rhetoric fly around. But at the end of the day, when you look at people going door to door, helping each other out, helping each other with their pipes and making sure that they get their homes back in order, it's it's a it's a very quiet servant mentality here that nobody talks about, nobody writes about because in today's society, the notion about writing about feel good stories is is lost. It's ridiculous because obviously you can't sell any, you know, papers and ads, but we all know as Houstonians that it does exist and the servant's heart is a, is, a part, is a part of our city. And the thing that I think was really frustrating about this past week, beyond all the damage, and we'll delve into that and what some of that looked like for other people, but us too and what we've seen around us. One of the things that was really frustrating is you had this catastrophic event. And to your point, rather than focus on the positive stories that are coming out of it, the up, uplifting stories that are coming out of it, the thing that we normally, that we just start to point to is, well, why did this happen and who can we blame? Who can we blame? Who can we blame? Yes. Right? And one of the things that, that I've been reading about recently, and of course when your power is out for 72 hours, you have a lot more time to read, yeah. but it's a concept that I had never delved into but it's Albert Einstein's concept of levels of intelligence or levels of intelligent. And there's five levels and they're progressive levels. And the first level is smart. Second level is intelligent. The third level is brilliant. 
the fourth level is genius, and the fifth level is simple. But you got to get through all four of those to get to the point where you get to that fifth level where you can really simplify things. So what you're saying is that your brother here is on the sixth level. <laughs> I like it. No, keep going. Yeah. And then there's a sixth level, Brendan Hunt. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> and the interesting thing, the reason I bring that up is because the importance of that theory lies in the fact that you have to go through the four levels to get through the fifth, to the fifth. And what we've done in our culture is we oversimplify things and jump straight to the fifth without delving into the other pieces of the background. It's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs as well. Absolutely. Same, it's a very parallel, it's a very parallel system there. It, you have to start at the basics to get to what is obviously the simplest form, which I find fascinating is that simple. Yes. The, it's, it's yet, you know, what is it? It's, it's sometimes the, you know, you know the, the obvious solution is usually... Occam's razor. Occam's razor, the easiest solution and simple, simplicity. But it takes us a lot of times to, as we used to say in the Army, we used to have to, you know, like, pole vault over mouse turds Right to get to <laughs> to get to what is just quite frankly a very simple answer. Yes, and I think that what we ended up doing is, as a culture, and as a social media driven culture, yeah. we drove straight to, okay, things have happened. Who do we blame, and how can we make this one side versus the other side? Yeah. How do we go do that? And many of the things that have happened is it makes itself this situation where it's this fight between how does this come a, f a fight between the fossil fuel industry and the green energy energy industry how does this become a fight right now we're against each other it's not a fight it's not a fight at all and the thing that frustrates me as an alum of the solar business yes for dow chemical company when you look at renewables or or any energy source the key things that we're looking at for energy sources are they need to be reliable, they need to be cheap, and they need to be consistent. And abundant. Abundant, yeah. right? And so as we think about these renewable energy sources, okay, do I have problems with wind and solar? As I said, I worked, I worked in solar. No. As somebody who has children who are growing up, Right now in this world, what I love for us to reduce carbon emissions and what I love for us to have cleaner energy opportunities, absolutely. Yeah. If we can get it in a reliable way, absolutely. Yes. And it wasn't so long ago that we were really poo-pooing people that talked about clean coal. Whenever somebody would say clean coal, oh, how can you have clean coal? Oh. Yes. And, and we were really poo-pooing people who were in that space. And when you look at the carbon capture technologies yeah. that were being used, uh, the building of those plants, those were initiatives that Barack Obama and Rick Perry agreed on. Yes. The carbon capture types of technologies. But we poo-pooed that immediately, right? It, it can't, how do you have clean coal? It's, it's not clean coal. It's, it's how do you deal with the carbon emissions yeah. in a very reliable and proven way of generating power. But the issue is, is not the issue, actually, as we, are, as we are realizing that it's actually not about the carbon at all. It's about demonizing an industry where I don't think we should be demonized, particularly when we can, we, technology has evolved to the point to where actually we, we get very little to zero emissions actually from a lot of the fossil fuels that we are burning today, given where technology is right now. So let's bring them into the tent.
Yes. Let's bring them into the fold. Let's, let's make the pie bigger and still be cleaner. And not to mention, these are all business imperatives. Yeah. The reason why I say I worked for the solar business in Dow Chemical Company, just like BP and Exxon, who do you think spends all the money for the R&D and clean energy? Yeah. Where do you think the majority of that spend is coming from? They're coming from big companies because they see the business case for it. Because don't you think that if there's a new technology, whether it be solar, wind, hydro, that can fit all the buckets that we talked about, if BP can develop that technology, it's good for them. It's great for them. Yes. It's great for their bottom line. And there's a couple of other factors that have come into this over the years. Um, you know, there's another factor that's the safety factor that we're layering over all of this. And nuclear is a perfect example of this, right? Where nuclear, you have unbelievably high levels of reliability. You have cheap energy. Clean. Clean energy. Pure. The Three Mile Islands of this world, the Fukushimas of this world, they make us see that industry in a different light that, quite frankly, is not accurate. Because we've in evolved, terms of the safety of the we've industry. We've evolved technologically from a safety standpoint from, the, from, from those times. Absolutely. I mean, after watching that, that Mars rover land the other day, I thought to myself, yeah, we should probably give this nuclear thing a shot. I don't know, uh, maybe, yeah. maybe under the pretenses of 2021 technology. Oh, it sounds like a pretty good idea to me. Yeah. And, and, and to your point, we, we get caught in the cement of the technology of today without thinking about where the innovation of tomorrow can be. Yeah. Or where it even is now. Yeah, I'm a, look, I'm a futurist. If there's a world where we don't have to, to, to burn fossil fuels and all that stuff, great. Like, I mean, let's get there. You know, one way to get there is, is grid scale storage. Yeah. As the technology for grid scale storage gets better, since hmm. so well, yes. Hmm. Th then things get interesting. And we tell ourselves, we're like, well, you know, that, that's so far off or that could be so far off. Man, I am so glad that we didn't have that mentality when we were trying to beat the Russians to space. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Look at all of the computers and the cell phones and everything that we have. They got to space doing math on pen and paper. Yes. We've evolved since then as well. And one thing that I, that I bring up oftentimes and actually brought, on, brought up on Rogan's podcast, and that is, we have got to be careful with when, whenever we talk about reducing our carbon footprint, that this is a global issue. And I always bring this up because it gets lost in translation here, I think in our polarizing times. If, if we don't get the top two carbon emitters on this, agenda, on this agenda, you can literally have all the carbon capture technology you want, all the wind and solar you want, and it will not benefit the carbon footprint of the globe at all. And I am talking about China, and I am talking about India. And they don't adhere to our standards. And by the way, did you know that there are certain countries in Africa that are still burning dung? Let's talk about that here for two seconds. If this is a global issue, and we aren't addressing this in a global manner, you can literally just destroy the fossil fuel industry here in the U.S. when actually we're leading the world in reducing our carbon footprint yeah. with higher production because of natural gas, but you can destroy it just based on rhetoric, based on innuendo, and just based on the idea of, well, this industry is bad. That's not smart. Yeah. There's an economic balance that we have got to pay attention to in this conversation, 
And right now, to your point, as you articulated in the very beginning, right now we're treating this as if as if it's like a zero-sum game. Well, and, and here's the thing. It's not wind versus gas, right? No, it's, you see, wind, you, it's wind and gas. You see all these people who have put out all this information like, well, there were just as much as many gas plants down as wind plants from a capacity standpoint. Okay, yeah, and, and that's all good and well. Guess what? It's like the movie Rocky. Remember uh, when, at the end of I, I believe, talk about Ivan Drago. I believe it's right. Yeah, we, we can definitely <laughs> delve into that. I believe it was Rocky six or seven. That's how that's how bad it is. When you know you get it up. Which one? <laughs> yeah, when, when Sylvester Stallone was like, hey, you know, uh, Father Time is undefeated. Yeah. It's pretty good, Brendan. Thank you. It's pretty good slide. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, alumni of the University of Miami, like my wife, go Canes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so you were doing good. When I, when I think Father Time is undefeated, you know who else is undefeated? Father Cold. Yes. Okay? Yeah. They all lost. Gas loss, coal loss, nuclear loss. Nuclear loss. Yes. You couldn't get stuff, stuff, stuff started up. Everybody lost. Yeah. And by the way, you hear I almost said stuff farted up because I just said gas. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about a Freudian slip. <laughs> gas couldn't get stuff farted gas. up. <laughs> 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 but uh, but no, it, it, it's 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 ridiculous because if if you think about, we are actually in a position where we're talking about specific battles in the war that was lost. Right? Yeah. Look, we the reliability lost. the reliability was not there on any front because we are not accustomed to that type of cold weather in Houston. We but do not see that. Let's talk about that, too, by not accustomed to that kind of cold weather. Like never. Like never. It, let's, like I was playing golf the week before, yeah, and, then this and I played golf on Saturday. So the week and before today and week 70, after. It's 70 this. degrees outside today. Yeah. So for people that don't really understand the concept of what happened here in Texas, the last time it was this cold, they, they talk about the blip that we had in 2011, but it wasn't all that bad. It, it, it really wasn't. I remember 1989? We have pictures of us making snowmen on the plates that my, that our parents still have. Making snowmen on plates. Okay. Th that shows you the level of snow we're okay. talking here. But that was huge. That was the first snow we've snowmen ever on seen. Plates. <laughs> on plates. Okay. <laughs> the, the for anybody snowman, who's lived in the Northeast, this snowman was not was not was not a foot tall. Okay. But for us, it was kind of dirty because it, it oh. was it was still kind of mixed in for the us, dirt. It was freaking frosty, man. That. We, you were, we were seven and eight years old the last time we had snow and a consistent cold like that. And so the issue is, is this. Everybody right now is demonizing deregulation in Texas. Okay, look. Deregulation in Texas is really why Texas is one of the best states to live in. I think it would argue, arguably is why you came back here. It's why people are flocking here at a very high rate. And in and, and 2022 in that election, Texas is getting two or maybe three new congressional seats. That's how many people are coming to Texas and why? Because of freedom and liberty and the government stays out of your business. Now, what happened this past week is, is a byproduct, I will admit, of, of some deregulation, but, but let's fix the problem not destroy the system. Absolutely. And, and to your point, there's no free lunch. No. Okay? <laughs> there's no free lunch. There's no such if thing. If you want cheap power, yeah. okay? And low taxes. It, it, this, is, this is what happens with deregulation. Nobody is complaining when our power is so much cheaper than the rest of the country. And abundant. And abundant. The issue comes in, of course, when you have a 
once in a lifetime type of event, okay, these are things where there is an opportunity to step in. If you look at what these companies, what the, the electric companies were incentivized, the power companies were incentivized to do, they've never been incentivized to run at that level in the cold. Because it's never cold. Yeah, because it's not that cold. So, I mean, it, so follow the money as you always do, but it, they, they have not been incentivized to run at that level when it's in the cold. Okay, if we need to do more contingency planning within our system. Let's do that. Let's do more contingency planning within our Can system. Can agree more with you, Rendon. Right? And, 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 and once again, I'm not saying this as somebody, I sat on a cold floor with my two kids too. So, as did I, Rendon. Okay? And, I, and so our, I'm and not our saying parents... this as, as, as somebody who, who didn't experience this myself. I'm saying that there are definitely, we've learned that there are now guide rails that we can put in. Yes. And guide rails that can help us and protect us for the future. Yes. And there are ways in which we can improve. But I think we should be focused on improvement and not focused on blowing up a system. Blowing up a system that's actually been pretty successful for us here in Texas. And even, you know, to that point, too, about our parents and the first floor in our house that we grew up in, that we spent our formative years growing up in, the first floor is destroyed from this. So it's not like we 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 didn't feel this. It's not like we don't understand it. We get it quite well. The issue is, is that you, I I learned learned this from you, you know, just because you have a hammer doesn't make every problem a nail. That we've got to be careful with how we adjust our government accordingly. Now, does the government have a responsibility to keep her citizens safe? It's actually the number one role of the government, of the federal government and of the statewide government, is to keep us safe. And there's an issue, clearly, as we saw safety. over the course of this past week, that this is actually a safety issue, yeah. and it must be addressed. Um, but it needs to be addressed in a measured way. This pendulum shifts back and forth slowly, but you don't throw the pendulum to the other side and throw it back to the right. Systems here are actually pretty good. People like living in Texas. People enjoy coming to Texas. And there's reasons why we got there. I would recommend that we keep those measures in place, but improve where we see these problems. Build upon the structure. Yeah. And, and I think if I could make the, the analogy, it's, it's, it's very similar to a wardrobe, okay? One of the things that I learned when I moved from Michigan, or moved to Michigan, is that even from Boston, I didn't have cold weather, cold weather clothes. And certainly when I went from Houston to West Point, I had never been in really, really cold weather. I will never forget, plebe year, get out to West Point, it's the first winter out there. And one of those really, really cold days. We didn't know this, by the way, growing up. We didn't know cold. We didn't know cold. No, we didn't. I didn't know cold until I got until I got to West. Point. Yeah, we didn't know cold. And there was this really, really cold day, like probably like five to ten degrees, okay. And it didn't snow a lot our first winter. And this was before we had had a snow snowfall. So it was one of those dreary days. We're out in formation. The wind is cutting through your jacket. Yeah. And I remember looking around, and I just had this very puzzled look on my face. And my roommate at the time, Eddie, and Eddie had this deep baritone voice, and he called me Cookie because I went to the Navy. Yeah. So you know, Cookie, Cuba Gooding Jr. And, uh, you look hey. like him. He said, "I know, I know." Yes, you do. Nah, 
Dude, you can totally pass for Kiva sometimes. No, I don't. Come on, cookie. Show me the money. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> uh, so uh, Eddie had this deep baritone voice that, oh, hey, hey, Cookie. And it's weird because he called me Cookie before I even made that transition, but he's like, oh, hey, Cookie. It's like, what? He's like, uh, you know, what's wrong? And I was like, huh, just wondering where the snow is, right? Which seems like a normal comment for somebody who's not from Houston. But he's like, what do you mean? And he dug deeper, and I wish he hadn't because it just revealed my ignorance. I was like, well, it's cold outside, so where is the snow? He's like, man, it's so cold. It's too cold for snow. And he's like, <laughs> uh, you do know it's like rain. It's like rain. <laughs> wait, a, wait a minute. Wait a minute. So snow is a form of precipitation. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize that. Because if you watch the movies, every time it snows, it's cold outside, it's cold it snows. That's exactly, that's our perception of it. Right? Yeah. So with the exception of 1989 and building a plate-sized snowman. At seven, at seven and eight years old. Yeah. yeah. I, had, I had never been exposed at all to snow. So when I say you, I, you use the, the metaphor of the wardrobe, when we think about what we're doing as a state, okay, we can't just go out and buy a bunch of mink coats. In Texas. Okay? You can't go out and buy a bunch of mink coats. It's okay to amend your wardrobe with some basic essentials, some long johns, maybe yeah. a North Face jacket or two, yeah. you know, maybe a beanie to help you out. If it, but to go out and just buy a couple of mink coats. Yes, in Texas that would be a waste of your money. Yes. And so one thing we really need to address is, how do we amend that wardrobe? How do we put in a couple of pieces that will help us, that will help us bridge this gap without just stepping back and saying, oh my gosh, like now every company, just money, 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 spend it on everything, spend it on, on, on new facilities and all this. Wait a minute. There are ways that we can take the facilities that we have and we can make them more appropriate for inclement weather if it happens. Now, another thing to address, too, is we saw it with Harvey and we see it now. Some crazy stuff is happening in weather patterns. So we need to be prepared for if crazier stuff happens in weather patterns for sure, right? But how can we amend what we have in order to help get, it, get there without thinking about breaking the bank to just buy a bunch of new stuff? So I think, I think contingencies are really important here and understanding sure. what contingencies mean. So just the other day, I had a friend of mine who had a dead battery. And I have this, I have this, this little battery um, charger. It, it's, it, it can start up even my truck. I have a Ford F-250. And it starts Two, up. 250. I said 250, not one. <laughs> 250. <laughs> and it's, it's, it starts it up. I, I, the battery died, started it up just fine. And th this thing is about, it's about this big. Okay, and it's just, it's just awesome. And I had it in my car. And why? Just in case somebody's battery dies. If it's mine, a yeah. friend. Uh, Emily, somebody, I, I, I'm, it's always there, it's charged up, it's available. Now, now, do you see me driving around everywhere with five batteries in the back of my car? Well, no. Why? why? Because in the, life, in the lifespan of my truck, personally, I've only used this thing once, personally. I've used it for other people multiple times, but again, it's a contingency that we can have to prepare for, you know, in, in, in the event that uh, something unlikely happens. Yeah. Okay, I feel like that's the approach that not only we should be taking in life, we should also take toward our energy system, particularly here in Texas. And we are very blessed to be here in Texas. 
because we can afford to be very diverse with our energy sources. Absolutely. So we do have an abundance of natural gas because of the Permian Basin. We have the land actually for wind and solar, especially if you start moving out toward West Texas. We have the land and the availability for nuclear. We can do it all in this state. Yes. It's not too hot, it's not too cold. We have the natural resources, we have the land availability, we have it all. And so the notion of completely transforming everything, I don't particularly like that. But how can we take an all, a hands-on deck approach to maximize all of our energy opportunities here in Texas? And nobody else in the country can do that. Well, Wesley, especially because it's not possible. Yeah. Like transforming everything, it, once again, it would be different if it were possible. Yeah. It would be different if you didn't have, if it would be different if we had, um, you know, grid scale storage. Yes. That would be different. It would be different. But, but it's not like we're making a choice to do one versus the other. We can't just take one option. Yes. We are actually fortunate enough to be able to take all and all of the above approach. We can't just do one. You know, Renan, I thought about, in spite of everything that got shut down, in spite of, you're right, about, about, about Father Freeze freezing the entire state, and, and you're right, nuclear was hurt, uh, uh, natural gas was hurt, wind and so everything. Almost, almost every, 200 plants offline. Could you imagine if we did not have an abundance of natural gas in this state, how much worse this could have been? Oh, or if we hadn't made the transition in the past decade, right? Thank you. Thank you. This could have been devastatingly, I mean, it was already devastating. It was. This could have been ex, ex, exponentially worse. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what my argument is, and, and I, was, I was on Fox the other day, and I, I was trying to articulate this, it was really hard to do this in like a minute and a half. Yeah. But the argument is, is this, instead of completely revamping the system, we have such an abundance and such accessibility to multiple forms of energy that even in the snowpocalypse, or snowvid, as, as this thing has mm -hmm. been coined, even in, the, in, even in the event of that, the knee-jerk reaction is not to rely more on the government. The knee-jerk reaction is for us to continue to pull from our innovation, that we were able to create and, and, and cultivate right here in our state. That's why I think Texas is so, is, is so unique, and I don't want to give that away. Well, I have a good friend who's uh, the CEO of a wind service company, right? Great guy, Naval Academy guy. I'm sorry. Uh, Naval yeah. Academy guy. And here's a great example of, of innovation. After all this has happened, what do you think they're going to the lab to figure out right now? Exactly. How do we weatherize better? Yeah. How can we, be, like, like that, that's the type of, of, of innovation that we, and, and once again, it doesn't matter that it's wind or solar or anything else. How can we get better? But wait, Rendon, yes, but also do it in a cost-effective way. Yeah. The reason, the, the reason why we aren't winterized is because there's no winter. I'm really, up, I really get upset when people from the Northeast say, or, or they'll send pictures of windmills in Norway. Well, they figured it out. Well, do you know how much it would cost for us to fully winterize everything in Texas when we've had one storm like this in, in 40 years? So the question is, is this. Yes, we should probably winterize, but now we've had some time to figure out a way to do it in a more cost-effective cost way. way. That's innovation. Innovation is driving uh, That's innovation, exactly. Do. And, not, and we don't have to winterize the same way that they winterized their windmills 20 years ago. I can assure you Technology. there's a better way. We just had a rover land on Mars. Mars. <laughs> M-A-R-S. Mars. Yeah. So one thing, and, and I tell you, when I 
what will always be seared in my mind about this past week. I have a, a story to tell about my neighbor, Gerald. Yeah. Okay. And as a man whose faith is important to me, I am consistently frustrated in life when people use faith as a crux when they're not treating people the right way. And that kind of goes to those five hierarchies with, uh, with Einstein, the, the, the top being simplicity or simple. I think at the crux of me personally being a Christian is treat people the right way, right? I mean, like, like that isn't, isn't that everything distilled down? My neighbor, Gerald, this guy was walking door to door in my neighborhood, fixing people's stuff, pipe burst. This, these are, this is all hours of the day, all hours of the night door-to-door, fixing people's stuff, going around, going around. My next-door neighbor, Mike, is a handyman, so he was out on jobs all over the place. But Gerald, who that is not even his job, was just fixing people's stuff. I had um, my, my backflow line for my sprinkler system burst, right? Gerald comes over, shuts off the water, fixes it. Um, I had a, a, a line to my heater, my hot water heater that got frozen. And luckily, I was walking around at 3 o'clock in the morning because that's when you do when you have no power and you're trying to make sure that nothing bad happens. I kind of have that PTSD from dealing with that stuff in Harvey uh, when I had the leaking. I see some drips that are coming from my smoke detector. Go up in my attic, the pan for my hot water heater is overflowing. I'm like, uh-oh, shut off everything, shut off the gas to it. Fortunately, because my next door neighbor is a handyman, got two new hot water heaters installed the next day. And he's telling me, he's like, man, that could have blown up in your attic, man. Like the things that that could have happened. But once again, Mike, Gerald, these guys are just going around helping people for the sake of helping people. And that is a type of just selflessness and humanity when I told Gerald, I said, hey man, like what can I pay you for just like coming and helping me? You know what he said to me? He acted like it was a code, man. He said, oh, no, nah, man, neighbor. Yeah. Like that was the cheat code, that, that, like that up, down, discount. up, down, back. Like, I was gonna think it was your discount code to get your coupon online, but yeah, 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 yeah. neighbor. Well, yeah, yeah, As neighbor. Yeah. Like the idea of what it means truly to be neighborly. We had a email chain that was kind of growing up, that, that was kind of going around uh, in my little community. And uh, Dr. Chris Brand um, is a, lives right behind me. And he was walking around with this kid, turning off every, everyone's water whenever you saw a sprinkler leak. Just took it upon himself to do that. Nobody asked him to do it. Nobody said anything. There was some emails going out, you know, we're saying, hey, you're, you're having a water issue here. The next thing you know, the water stopped. Just did, it, just did it because it was simply the right thing to do. And so what I like about these people that we are using, what we're talking about um, as examples, is I feel like this is the right thing to do. Because instead of tweeting nasty stuff, instead of going online and, and, just, and just all the vitriol and sending around all the hate, for every person that's sitting around putting out hate, that's time spent not checking on your neighbor. 
if you're one of those people that literally sits online and just and retweets and just goes after all the bad things and all the negative things in the world all day and cultivates this nastiness, instead of trying to figure out ways to move forward together to help your fellow neighbor, think about how much time you've wasted. We could sit here and point fingers all day long at who's not doing what and who's doing this, that, and the third. And when you're pointing fingers, it's an exercise in futility because you're not helping anybody else out, and you could be. And unfortunately, this is what has to change, I feel like, in our society, and I feel like this pendulum eventually will shift back to the right direction. But unfortunately, it's kind of what everyone does now. It is. We just pile on. Yeah, and social media makes it really easy because everybody gets to hide behind a picture. It's these avatars of ourselves, right? Yes. Ava- not e- I love that. Yeah. Not even yourself now. Ah. It's, it's an avatar of yourself. Yeah. So you get to hide behind that, and nobody gets to call you out on it, and nobody gets to actually sit down and have a conversation. It's always these drive-bys. Yeah. Constantly. And when you're sitting at your computer drive-buying or sitting on your phone drive-buying people, what are you not doing? Building people up. Uplifting people. Yeah. Making the situation better. Making this country better. And I'll tell you, I, I think that especially in situations, whenever we have catastrophic events that, that hit us, there's a real opportunity for us to galvanize, for us to come together and really be better. Yeah. There's an, there, there, there's an opportunity that's in that. And in all of these situations, I never want that to be lost. And I think it's kind of interesting because if Hurricane Harvey and Snowpocalypse, we'll call it, very different because with Hurricane Harvey, it's, it was almost as if there's nothing anybody can do. So there was no finger to point. Yeah. And even Hurricane Harvey versus Snowpocalypse, think about how much closer people were after Hurricane, because it's like we're all in this together and there's no fingers to point. But now the thing that's kind of interesting about Snowpocalypse is it's a different situation. You still see the positive stories. You still see people coming together. But... There's finger pointing now. A lot of finger pointing. There's finger pointing. And and I do think that part of that is just rooted in our culture and society right now. I, I, yeah. I do think that like part it's of it is changed root- a little bit over time. Yeah. And part of it is because of the nature of the disaster, definitely. Yes. And because I, I think, you know, certainly there's there, could have been prevented. Part of it's the nature of the disaster. But just more broadly, the idea of really just coming together when things go wrong and hunkering down. I think that's an extremely American ideal. Yeah. And the more that we get away from that, yeah. I think it will be troubling for our future. And I think we're sending a really bad example when we do that to the next generation. Great point. Great point you're bringing up. And, and this is kind of what we were talking about earlier in the successive that in the successes that we have seen in Texas. I think Texas is the is the sixth largest economy in the world by itself. And again, there's a lot of good things that's happened over the course of the past 10, 20 years that I think has, has brought Texas to a really good place. But we ain't perfect. No. But we've also done a lot of really good things. I, I, I see people come out and they say, you know, they want to blame 
this is this is a statewide level. This is this is Abbott's fault because he's been here for ten years and we've seen investigations and we should have done X, Y, and Z. Do you see the growth of, of Texas in the last decade? It's remarkable. Yes, let's address this issue. Yeah, you're absolutely right. This is a problem, and I and I could guarantee you that Governor Abbott is all over this. Let's get to the bottom of it. Let's get to the bottom of it. Yeah, I mean, let's, like before we start let's pointing, fix the, before let's we fix start the pointing, issue. Yeah, yes. before we start pointing pointing fingers, and I mean, let's get to the bottom of uh, let's get our facts together. Yes, and that's and that's something that once again, you know this about me. I don't care what side of the aisle. Let's get our facts together, and if if there's something that's not right, I'm comfortable with saying that it's not right. Then let's fix it. And let's fix it. And once again, even when we find out if things are not right, that's not the blame game. Yeah. That's not things are not right. So, ah, I don't like you. I don't like you. It's yeah. okay. Things are not right. Like, all right. You wanted to kill 26 people. No, I don't, I don't think. I don't think. I don't think anybody wanted that to happen. No, actually. What are we going to do to fix it? What are, what are we going to do to get better? And really focusing on what that really looks like, and focusing on our part in that. And I think it's something that's happened with our political system more broadly. The amount that we get involved in it, the amount that that that, that we want to be a part of, of campaigns, part of the process, right? Yes. Because once again, I, I'll never forget, social media I think is very good. But like many things in life, it's yeah. not all good, yes. okay? I think it's very. I think the level of connectivity and the way that it can be used as a positive tool it's remarkable. is absolutely incredible. Yeah. Okay, especially because we didn't have it growing up. No, no. So, so, so the idea of posting pictures of your children and then your entire immediate family and people living all over the world can say, "Oh my gosh, look at your kids! They're growing up. Wow, that's crazy." Uh, like, like twenty years ago when we were in high school, that wasn't the case. That's the good piece of it. The bad piece of it is these avatars, these trolls yeah. that emerge from this. And when you talk about political engagement and getting out there and doing things, it's, it's disconnected us as a society, right? I, I was part of a movement because I signed a petition on Facebook. That's not, that's not being a part of a movement. It's a part. It's a small part. Yes, it's a part. Yes. Yeah. You know, one one thing that we saw you talk about, you know, making it expedient and and being a part of a movement, and that is, you know, when the Black Lives Matters protests happened this past summer, and I noticed a lot of people that would change their profile picture to just black. And and I okay, I get it. You know, I, I get yeah. it. That's you showing support yeah. for a movement. Yeah. Uh, cool. But then what? Yeah. That's part. That's the, that's the first okay. step. That's the first step. You, you, you believe in something that you want to be a part of, you want to change, but, but what'd you do after that? Yeah. Did you donate a, a, a dime to a cause? Did you, I don't know, go to a, you know, a, an underprivileged uh, uh, majority black community and pick kid to mentor? I, I don't know. Help them out? A tutor a kid? I don't, I don't know. Did, or, or did you just go online, spew a bunch of vitriol, change, change your picture to black, and then, and then that's your contribution? Because I'm here to tell you that you contributed very little at all. Yeah. You, you virtue signaled the way you feel, but nothing really actually changed. You don't really believe it. Yeah. Right? 
once yes. again, when we get to the to get to the level of simplicity, you have to go through all the other levels. Yes. You don't Target. really believe it. Because in order to really believe something, and once again, it's it's the conversation, my wife and I have this conversation all the time. Uh, it's it's the faith conversation, right? And and people in every faith tradition have tried to to think about and opine over the idea of faith first works and what that looks like and 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 how can you live your faith look here's the thing i know what you prioritize because i watch you live your life yeah so that, that that's the long and short and a lot of people are not comfortable with taking accountability for what that means in their own lives and like you said none of us are perfect but the way that you live your life and the way that you prioritize your time shows everything about who you are. It shows everything about who you are and also shows that even, even in these initial um, things like changing your profile picture to black and all this kind of stuff to show that you are with or you support this particular movement because you believe in it, it's always the next step process too. So, so you believe in it, that's great, that's, that's fine. But then what are you going to do about it? Um, you believe in it enough to complain, but you don't believe in it enough to actually change it. To do something about it. Right? <laughs> so, like, and there's things in my life that, 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 that I'm certainly like that. I mean, yeah, I believe it's, 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 it's the take the trash out mentality. Yeah. Right? And fortunately, because, you know, we went to service academies, we didn't get to deal with this. But I've heard tale of friends who went to civilian schools. They always use this metaphor of taking the trash out. The person who takes the trash out is the person who can't stand the smell. That's it. At the end of the day, didn't experience that, but that's that's the person. The person who takes the trash out is a person who it matters to. The person who the washes most. the dishes is a person that I can't deal with this anymore. Exactly, and so I look I, and I applaud. I applaud that there's emotional inclination, and and a lot of it is is once again it's 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 my neighbor Gerald, and and I once again there are pieces of him that that I just think attributes that are just incredible. Yeah. I, I can't fix anything. Like that is not the gift that I have at all. And there's a, a piece of me that when you think about prioritizing, there's a world where I had to come to grips with the fact that, man, Gerald can walk around fixing all this stuff. I mean, I can kind of provide a, a pair of hands, but that's, that's pretty much all I'm good for. And then the question is, well, you can go learn how to fix stuff. And you can go around and help people in this way, and that could be the, 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 the benefit that you have or what you provide. I choose my time doing other things, and that's a choice. But also being able to actually provide something where you can actually change. That's the thing. That might, that might not be your gift. That's not your talent that God gave you. Sure. So, so what, you, what you do is you find you an avenue. Good look at hey. <laughs> <laughs> You're about to say exactly, too. <laughs> but I stopped myself. But I stopped myself. <laughs> You know, this past week, uh, I just watched Naomi Osaka. Yeah. Oh man. I mean, I mean, our, she has potential to be one of the greatest women's tennis players of all time. Absolutely. Okay? I mean, she she literally is in the midst of retiring uh, Serena Williams, and and and, a, and I mean, she is impressive she's and bad man. And she's she's awesome. great. She's great to watch. She's wonderful. And this past summer, she was in a final, and she dropped out of the final in order to protest for some of the racial tension and racial issues that we're that we had in the country as we saw this past this past summer. And I thought to myself, okay, that's I mean that's bold because she probably would have would have won the tournament. And I was like, that's a that's a, that's a, that's a pretty big play. And the next question is, so what came out of it? You made some headlines. 
which is what her intent was, and I do believe that. But I thought to myself, what would have been so much better? Hmm. And I came to a conclusion of this, and this, I'm not speaking for Naomi Osaka, it's just something that, I, that kind of brought to my mind of what could have really made a difference? Because I don't think that really made a difference because we've already forgotten about it. Hmm. What I thought, Rendon, was what if she would have played in that final and she would have won the final? And then she would have taken that trophy and then donated it to a cause. And then taken their earnings from that win and then donated it to a cause that actually impacts social injustice. But wait, then challenges the Women's Tennis Association, the Women's Tennis Association to match that gift. And then challenges NBC or CBS or whatever the news to match that gift and then challenges America to match that gift. And then you have a war chest of resources to actually really address the issue and not just make a headline. You know what I think is wonderful about what you just said is people who want to poke a hole in you or us will take that and they'll say, Oh, you're criticizing what Naomi Osaka did. I'm not criticizing. That's what they'll. That's what they'll do. And that's not. But what, what's what's yes. hilarious about that <laughs> is it's like no, there's actually an opportunity to think about this on a broader scale. And once again, the thing she did, what she felt was right in and, that and moment, that's, and that's her. And choice. I applaud her because she stood. She up. took a stand for something. She took a stand, and I think that's incredible. And she would have won that tournament. Yeah, I so think that's I, incredible. The thing that you're saying is that I, I, I think is a, a point that's often missed because in our culture, we, we always jump to these conclusions that if anybody says anything that's, that's critical in any way, it's because they don't like the person or being negative on the person. No. no, like, let's go back to what you said before. She's, she's about to be an all-time great. She's amazing. I mean, she, she was down a break 4-4 in the finals of, Austra uh, or, I'm sorry, against Serena in the Australian Open and won eight straight points yes. to she, win the match. She is. She is the real deal. Yes. You've said that. You've said the amount of respect for the amount of respect that she stood for something. Yeah. The question is, man, let's start thinking about opportunities to make bigger change. That's it. The only thing I would amend that you said is what she did didn't matter. I think it mattered. Okay, I get your point. We're having that conversation because I, I think it mattered. The fact that we're talking about it right now, we're having that it mattered, and that was that was an overstatement. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think it mattered, right? Yeah. And and but yeah. and we're having that conversation now. The question is, not how can I get one fry? Yes. How can I get a bag of fries? And I'm talking about the McDonald's fries, but wait. You know, you know how they give you the fries, but they put a few more on the bottom? Oh, come on now. If you, you, know, and if you know that, the people that work there, that it's like, trick? hey, man, can I get a large fry? But, you know. Yeah. But look, put a, yeah. you know, you, you know, you eat fries, then, you, then there's a treat on the bottom. <laughs> talk about those kind of fries. Bonus fries. How do, we, how do we do that? How do we get more, man? And then on and, top of that. And part of it is contentment, Wesley. We, we can't get too content in, in what we have in our status quo. Yeah. But what were you saying? Yeah. And this is also bringing people into the tent. You see, when you do that, people can buy into it. You're not turning off the, you're not turning off really anybody. People see that you believe in something, you want to raise awareness for a cause, but not only that, you're willing to put time and resources behind it. It's not just a flash in the pan, virtue signal, and then it, a few months later it fizzles out. You're really bought in. Yes. 
Yes. And you're really trying to institute change for the future. Yes. And that goes back to a word that we talked about before, this word of innovation. And this all comes full circle in many ways because when you think about, we think about things in terms of a box, right? As a society, it's like the box of like, huh, the only way that I can affect change is do this. That sounds a whole lot like, the only way I can generate power is by using gas, wind, solar. Or, or, not ands, ors. Like, 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 let's think outside the box, guys. We just landed on Mars. Yeah. We just landed a rover on Mars. God, I think Dave Chappelle so much, and I can't, can't say it. Yeah, yeah, like, 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 yeah. We landed a rover on Mars, and we still are crippled in our ability to think about what the future could hold. Yes. Because we're still we're still in this box. It's like, look, the only thing I can do is 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 not do this, or the only thing I can do is is have this energy source, or like the only way that I can think about coal as well as dirty before, so it has to be dirty now. Like, wait a minute, guys. One of the biggest things that, that, that I see, demolition man, Wesley. Yeah. I'm still waiting for these flying cars, man. Yeah. Or back to the future. Skateboard. The hoverboard. Yeah, the hoverboard. I don't know how bad I wanted one of those. I still want one of those. Those are awesome. Yeah. Did you see that? Uh, and we'll get there. That picture of Michael J. Fox. They posted a picture of Doc and, and Michael J. Fox. I did, 30 years later or whatever. How yeah, awesome I saw is that? that? That was pretty cool. And in, in so many ways, and, and I mean, it's not hard to know if anybody knows me. I'm unbelievably optimistic, pro-culture, pro-American. Yes, yes, I'm all in. But I can't say that, that there's a strong disappointment that I have. Okay. When I watch Back to the Future and Demolition Man, we have a long way to go. <laughs> Those movies were made in the 80s and 90s. What happened? We were supposed to be. <laughs> I mean, what is this tires and gasoline we're using? What is this? What are we doing? <laughs> like, we like just got to Mars. What a disappointment. <laughs> We were supposed to colonize Mars by now. <laughs> Rover? <laughs> Why aren't we living on Mars? What, what a disappointment. There's not a McDonald's on Mars? <laughs> as optimistic as I am. Yeah. Like, man, like we got a little way we got a little way to go. But you know, you know what it was actually, you know, really crazy. I saw I watched I watched a full thing on YouTube about about the new E V Hummer. Mm. It's insane. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is absolutely, it's absolutely insane. And you and I grew up, you know, driving around in military Hummers. Yeah. It, this thing, it's like a thousand horsepower Hummer. It's incredible. And what's awesome is, is that, this is Jingus by GM, by the way. This is, this is where I give them some kudos, okay? Because if you recall, do you remember there was that time where even Arnold Schwarzenegger, basically he has a Hummer fleet. He's now trans. He's not like transformed all of them into like EV cars. Because remember, there was a time where if you owned a Hummer, people would key your car. Yes, because they thought you were just like the worst human being in the world. Because they know that your truck gets like eight miles to the gallon. Therefore, you're a horrible human being on the highway. On the right. <laughs> right. Uh, it's so. It's so. What they invented to stop making the H2s because they were considered to be gas guzzlers when it was inappropriate. Yeah. And so they basically, they basically killed off the car, and they bring it back as a fully battery-operated so electric cool. vehicle. A thousand, right. a thousand horsepower. It's so cool. And, and, look, and look, it's awesome. We can have both. Yeah. We can have both. Well, and, and to your point, too, I think that there's a broader piece of this 
as we talk about sustainability, what that means for the future, what it means for the next generation, um, thinking about clean air, clean water. I'll tell you what, I didn't think a lot about water until until we're going through this. And the boil notice that still seven million Texans are under right now. Yeah. This is crazy. I lived in Saudi, so I'm not, I'm not scared about this yeah. water at all. <laughs> yeah. Still American water. <laughs> yeah, it's very <laughs> Clean air, clean water. But once again, it kind of goes back to how much do we really believe this? And I kind of put this out here as, as a challenge to, to listeners. My son is very big into recycling. Okay. Right. He loves garbage trucks. So when he sees the, he could tell you all the types, the front loader and the side loader and all this, and he loves recycling. And, and, and oh, by the way, very quick detour. One of the most emotional moments of me week in and week out is when I see these guys that are picking up our trash. Yeah. Wave and honk and excited to see my son waving It's, it's beautiful, isn't it? These every people. day or every, every, once a week. How excited they are. They are picking up trash. Yes, and they do it. And the joy that they bring. They brought him a garbage truck for Christmas. Of course they did. These guys are picking up trash. Of course they did. For a living. But anyways, I, I, I challenge listeners. With a mask on. Yeah, with a mask on. Yeah. <laughs> Our guys too. And they, and they are they're amazing. They're awesome. They're awesome. They're amazing. And, and, and I, I challenge listeners, when we talk about these things of sustainability, once again, if you're peppering people on Facebook and you're talking about sustainability and what it means, are you recycling? Yeah. What are you doing? Are you doing your part? Okay. I, I mean, because there's a whole lot of things we can do. This like, like, are you recycling? Are you, are you doing what it takes yeah. to, like, I mean, are you buying a bunch of bottles of water or of the, or of the sparkling water? Or did you buy the little thing that you can buy one time and refill it? Or, or is it just all talk? Or is it all talk? Like, like, and once again, this is something that that I am guilty of this too. So I don't just throw this out as a salvo out all there. Hat, all hat, no cattle. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All hat, no cattle. I don't throw this out as a, as a salvo. I, I throw this out as, as an opportunity for people to be really be honest and think about your practices and what you do and how it affects society as a whole. And as a, as a parent... I would delve even deeper to that, into that, the way I communicate with people who I talk to, when I look at what Gerald did and walking door to door for people, Chris the Brand. example that he gives to his son and daughter, yeah. the example that he gives them, all of this stuff matters. Yeah. It's a game of inches. Yeah. Every inch matters. Yes. And how do we hold each other accountable? accountable for every little inch. And you bring up a very good point. We are serving as examples for the people that are coming up behind us for our children, and what are they seeing? And right now, I'm afraid to say, it's not good. It's not our best. We can do better. We could be less nasty. We could be critical and do it in a way that's just not destroying somebody's personal character and their integrity. You could, you could do it. Yeah. You could disagree without being disagreeable. You could do these things. And the example that we are setting moving forward is it, we have got to do better. Yes. Here's the good thing about Houston, Texas that I've seen in this past week, though. In spite of all of that, I've seen, more, I've seen far more good than bad. Yeah. I think you and I come from that place of, of, of again, the negative, the bad, usually, it's about 1%. 
but yet we spend 99% focus, on the folk on that 1% instead of spending our time focusing on all the good. And I think if we can all be that example for our kids, then we'll all be better off. Couldn't agree more. And we're not perfect, by the way. No. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Lord knows. <laughs> no. I, there have been times where I have been a part of the problem. I admit that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I put my I am not perfect. No. I, 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 I'm, I'm right with you. I've but the issue is recognizing those things, having, a, having, having an accountability partner to call you out on it, and then making it better. Because we're not. So with that said, again, awesome. If you like more of what you hear of In the Hunt, please go on social media, like us, follow us, and we'll be back next week with more.